This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I'm joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. Judy, how's it going? I'm good. I had, I think, whatever you had a while back where you lost your voice and we're recording、oh, no. a few weeks later. So my voice is pretty much back, but it's interesting. I feel like you gave me your illness over the internet. <laughs> well, Chris ended up getting the same thing. I was、oh. traveling last week and he lost his voice. And so I think that it's definitely, it sounds like there's something going around、um, know, that's、sure. like all throat voice related. And it's carnivores get sick less, but we're still not immune to everything. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, did you feel sick at all other than losing your voice and sort of having like a cough? No. I mean, I didn't even have that much of a cough.、Oh. It was just really, I mean, maybe I did at the end actually, but it was like all in my throat and my head. And that's how Chris's was the exact same way too. My mom in California, and I haven't seen her since she got sick, but same thing with her. She, she had a cough, her voice was gone. It, my mom said that it's been spreading in her neighborhood too, so, or her community. Yeah,、so. I had a couple of coworkers who had the same thing where they just lost their voice. And we all, we do like, you know, professional speaking. Right. So it was, it's been, we've all been kind of picking up when one of us loses our voice, the other one has to kind of like take over for a little bit. So we've been juggling all that around. Yeah. Some, some people were saying that it's RSV related. I don't know if you thought you had that. It's that respiratory illness in children. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. My, neither one of my kids got it. It just was me. And then it was like weeks later, Chris got it. So I don't even think he got it from me. I think it was from somewhere else because he got it like a couple weeks later. It's so fascinating. Yeah, it's definitely going、yeah. around though. There's this like cough. But I know you were traveling too. Were you feeling it when you were traveling? Um, no, I would say I, you know what? I think there was a little semblance of it right before I left. But when I got back was when I felt it. But, There were a lot of people on the airplane that were coughing the whole time we were on the plane. And so I don't know if I、yeah. got it from them. There was one young child, like two rows ahead of us, that was coughing the whole time. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I got it, but I had a. Do you do anything differently、um, when you're sick, being 
you know, meat based or like, do you add broth or do you eat like what, what differences do you do when you're feeling not great like that? Uh, the main thing is sleep. Uh, I would just try to sleep more. So I'll put less on my plate. Uh, I had to reschedule all my interviews and client sessions because my voice was gone. And so I, I couldn't do a complete sentence without ending up coughing. I drink a little bit of gi- ginger tea. I don't know how much that helps, but supposedly it's supposed to help. You can use a little bit of lemon. I just never made it out to the grocery store to get those. But I, I use some ginger tea, but ultimately I try to just rest and take it a little bit easier. I don't add anything else. Did you use anything? No, I don't. I'm not like a broth person. So I wasn't drinking broth at all. I was using some colloidal silver uh, cough drops. So we like I do liquid silver. Sometimes I'll like take a shot of that or gargle it. But Mm. I was using the silver cough drops. Um, Those did have a little bit of honey in them. So normally I would get like a sugar free cough drop. But these I would rather use that's more like the silver ones. Um, and then honestly, I contributed the reason why I got sick in the first place is just because of lack of sleep. I had been traveling. I was in multiple time zones. I had been too many early flights. I had like two weeks where I was getting really terrible sleep. And I think that's what happened where it just caught up to me. And then food wise, because this time I wasn't nauseous or I wasn't feeling different. I just was kind of doing the same thing food wise of just still eating lots of protein. Yeah. I normally do make broth, but we were traveling as well. And so I, I didn't get to do that, but I, I do remember actually getting the Vietnamese pho broth. Um, we went and had that and that helped a little bit that day, but I, I didn't realize they had colloidal silver cough drops. Cough drops. That's oh like yeah. My mom time. found them. Oh, like <laughs> my mom is like, anything is happening. She's like, if you, do you ever watch like my big fat Greek wedding yes, the where Windex. the guy's like spraying Windex <laughs> on everything? That's how my mom is with colloidal silver. She's like, you have a rash, take some, put some silver on it. You have a cough, drink some silver. You have this, drink some silver. So I know we're a big silver. I actually bought some more silver cough drops for after I have my surgery in a couple weeks, because after, cause you have a tube down your throat during surgery. And then afterwards you want to cough and you kind of are like, your lungs are getting out all the anesthesia and stuff. Right. And, and the, you know, you've had like a tube breathing for you for, for a few hours. And so they say that you have this propensity to want to cough, but you just had abdominal surgery and it's like the most painful thing ever. Right. So I already bought some more cough drops, but we're a big silver believer. And I also bought, my mom already sent me some silver gel to put on my scars afterwards as like an antiseptic, you know, like, um, if you're not aware, colloidal silver is an antiseptic essentially, but some people believe it's cures. My mom was already yelling at the phone right now. She's listening to this. She's like, (laughs) it cures MRSA. It can cure. It like kills all kinds of the bad bacteria, but it's not like hand sanitizer that it also kills all the good bacteria. So we don't use hand sanitizer in our family. We use silver. No, um, I, I haven't done a lot of research on it, but I know my instru- my main instructor, which was the main instructor of the Nutritional Therapy Association, she was a big fan of silver as well. I do have clients that use it. So, um, so far, I mean, I know- We put it like I'd sprayed it in the kid's eyes before, or we drink it. I mean, obviously make sure you're buying the right kind. I'm not just telling right. you to like go drink liquid silver, make sure it's <laughs> the right kind you're getting, but uh, any kind of cut, rash, infection- like it really, it's just, it's kind of like this more natural antiseptic and you're not getting a bunch of the bad chemicals. Yeah. And you want, you do want to get the right one because, um, I remembered there is a risk of heavy metal toxicity, but I right. think it's, if you find the right ones with the right dosage, you should be fine. But um, yeah. 
Um, today, I know we want to talk about leptin resistance. And I mentioned this to you that like, hey, Judy, what can you tell me about leptin resistance? Because it's all of a sudden what everybody's talking about. And it's interesting because I, I've heard of insulin resistance. I've heard of a bunch of other resistances. And then I know the term leptin and ghrelin, right, are hunger signal hormones, I guess. Yes. You can correct me on this. But kind of out of nowhere, it seems like everybody's got a YouTube video that's titled leptin resistance or everybody's got, you know, posts about it and graphics about it. And to be honest, I've been doing this, what, four and a half years now, almost five years in this keto carnivore space. And I've never heard of leptin resistance and it's just what what the new thing is. So I don't. I'm curious what it is. If that's and and digging into more like what is it and is it important and why do, who has it and how do we fix it and if it matters, all those good things. So fill me in, Judy. I think a year or two ago, one of my clients was really into leptin resistance, and there was a program from somebody, and I cannot remember who it was. So I will look for that email and then put it in the show notes, but. There's a person that recommends how to heal leptin resistance, which is ultimately a hormone. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, how to improve if you have leptin resistance. And so there's a way to, I guess, the feeding, the timing, that type of stuff really matters in reducing the leptin resistance. Essentially, leptin is a hormone that's released by our fat cells to manage energy balance and the regulation of body weight. So it is the hormone that's signaled from your fat cells that to say, I'm either hungry more. And so therefore we need to eat or it's saying, no, use the energy. Now I'm, I'm satiated, use the energy now to work on metabolism or growing a baby or some other stuff. And so in a sense, it's the, it's not the opposite of insulin resistance, but it's, it can be juxtaposed to insulin. So if you have no issues with insulin, maybe one of the reasons why you're holding weight is because of leptin and leptin resistance. So what's the difference between ghrelin is also a hormone that I thought that was what signals you to be hungry or not. What's, what's the yes. difference? Um, so ghrelin is a hormone. I think it's in the gut, if not in the brain, um, but it's another hormone. That same thing. It triggers your hunger and your satiety um, appetite. So that is a good question of, I'm, I'm not entirely sure of the difference. I just know that when you are, um, ghrelin is the hunger hormone where if it's imbalanced, you will feel hungry all the time. But I guess leptin also does a very similar act on your fat cells or from the fat cells for your energy as well. They are very similar in that sense. Let me look it up real fast. Yeah. Yeah, it is from the stomach. Okay. So, um, okay. So I just looked it up right now. Ghrelin and leptin are both big hormones that relate to your hunger. So both of them do play a part in curbing appetite, telling you when you should be eating more, suppressing hunger, etc. So as I said, the leptin is from the uh, fat cells, and it's a hormone that releases and then um, it affects the hypothalamus. Whereas ghrelin, it originates in the stomach, and it sends hunger signals to the brain. So, so that's interesting, because a lot of people do have gut issues. And they talk about your microbiome, and that being important for weight loss and regulation. And I know that's kind of like, Something that goes around is like making sure you don't have leaky gut. And I bet that has a lot. That sounds like that has a lot to do with your ghrelin regulation. I think what's really hard with this whole leptin, well, leptin, you could get tested, but even ghrelin is kind of hard to, there's no, 
common test that you can take to prove that it's ghrelin that's causing your obesity or leptin that's causing, I mean, again, you could test your leptin. I think first and foremost, people should just try a meat only carnivore diet and find the macros and the calories that they should be eating and, and then tie that with the hormone medications or thyroid medications they're eating to find the right balance for them. And then if they find whatever sweet spots that they're supposed to be in, in order to heal, in order to have proper metabolism, and then if they're not able to lose weight, then I would look down certain rabbit holes. I know that, well, okay, so let's let's continue to explain leptin, yeah. and then we can go into all these nuances. So leptin's main function is the, the fat cells share with the brain or the hypothalamus, hey, um, I'm hungry, or we should stop eating. And so just like uh, we said, ghrelin, it's the same thing, the stomach, activates and tells the brain in that way. So based on that signal, the brain will alter how we decide to either use energy from food and we consume it or we save it and then we use it for different things like reproduction. The thought is that the more tissue, the fat tissue we have, the more leptin we have. And, And then so based on that, the way that we measure leptin and if you are leptin resistant is actually based on your BMI. It's based on your height and your weight. And so One thing I've seen online is that people will say this number means that you're not leptin resistant, but it's just not true. It's, it's actually based on a BMI number. So when people are saying I'm leptin resistant, what does that mean then? So like, I understand now what leptin is, but what does leptin resistance mean? So leptin resistance can be either that uh, your the signals to your brain aren't working correctly so that you maybe are just eating more, you're more hungry, you're not being able to feel satiated. And so that part is supposedly that your leptin is just not properly working. And so therefore it's being resistant. So, so like the hungry all the time, you can't yes. ever get satiated. Right. This is where that conversation comes in of, well, how do you know it's ghrelin? How do you know it's leptin? How do you know it's insulin resistance? What if you're just not getting enough fat? What if you're not getting enough protein? Like it could be that too. And that's also interesting because it's so funny because the most women in carnivore, especially women like my age and older, I'm going to be careful about calling women (laughs) middle-aged, even though I consider myself middle-aged. But uh, I think most women on carnivore actually have a hard time eating enough. And so if your problem is that you're under eating, I think that's more popular than people who are overeating. Yes, obviously people overeat. I've gotten into times when I overeat before, but I think that most women are under eating on carnivore. And so it's interesting that this leptin resistance is so popular because I think most people are under eating. So if you think about the population of carnivores, there's a big population that are struggling with autoimmune chronic illness. Those are the people I work right. with. But then there's also a a lot of people that are doing it because of weight loss. So sure. they say that the core of leptin resistance is when there's a disruption of the functionality of leptin, it's associated with weight gain and obesity. And there's three main things that um, can affect leptin resistance, which is too little sleep, too much stress, and too much of the wrong foods. Then when you are on a carnivore diet, and people need to be honest with their definition of what they're saying is carnivore, but when they try that, and they don't lose weight, or maybe they either they stall, or they actually gain weight, or they're not just losing any, and they're defined as obese, then it's when you start seeing content on 
you may be left in resistance and that's why you're not losing weight, it becomes easy to believe that that is a fact. And it could be for some. Right. Or not even just fix the root cause. I mean, the now that you're saying it, right, sleep is huge. You yeah. might not be losing weight because your sleep is right. terrible or your stress is too high. Or I forget what the third one you just said was, but like those Food. are three foods. Yeah. Like those are three really important things. So it's interesting now that there's a label for them, I guess, just because I hadn't realized that could be the label that was on them. But just like poor sleep, you could not lose weight because your sleep is really terrible or your stress is so high. I, you know, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, but from my understanding, some of the people that are sharing about this, you know, there's obviously a solution whenever there's a problem. And I guess the solution is there's some supplement or something that can reduce the leptin resistance. So I think that's Uh where some of the content is being sold or shared. <laughs> that, well, that's what I was gonna. Ha- <laughs> the, well, the, <laughs> uh, that's what. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. Was okay. So now we get it. Now somebody's saying I'm leptin resistant. Like what? What do I do now? Like what's what is the method on how we're supposed to resolve that? If that's the case. Okay. So I think the first thing that people should do with all this content around leptin resistance, as to do I have leptin resistance? Is that the reason why I'm not losing weight? The really simple answer is to get your leptin tested. So you can go to any of those. You can obviously go to your doctor, but you can go to any of those online labs that you can order a lab and you can look up the one for leptin. The LabCorp one, I don't have the number, but I'll put a link again in the show notes, but they range from $60 to $100. So before fretting about leptin, maybe doing that protocol that the person I mentioned in the very beginning, I mean, you could try those things of trying to eat breakfast very early on. Supposedly that helps with leptin resistance. So that's it. Like, so that that's my, well, go say what you were going to say. And then I want to talk about solutions. Um, So the first thing is before going down such a deep rabbit hole in all of this is just to get your leptin tested. And if you're not leptin resistant, then I wouldn't even worry too much about this whole area that's coming up. As part of the chronic inflammatory response syndrome testing, I test everybody's leptin. Of the 100 plus people we've tested, there's like five people that have leptin resistance, five. Mm -hmm. And some of the people in that are obese. So you would think that they are obese because of leptin resistance. But remember, this is based on um, the signaling issue, not because this is from your fat cells. And so while the number, the absolute number of their leptin is higher than someone that's really thin, based on the BMI number of the leptin, they're not resistant, even though their leptin number is high. So it's context matters, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's not just like, what's your leptin number? It's what's your leptin number in context with your BMI. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so with that, I mean, I before doing a lot of the testing for my SIRS clients, I thought, oh, everyone that's obese is going to be leptin resistance. Now it makes sense. Well, from the testing, there are people that are really thin that are leptin resistant. So it's not just a indicator because you're obese that you'll be leptin resistant. So that would be my first thing to um, just even mitigate any of the concerns and worries and change up your whole lifestyle and your eating protocol based on leptin. To answer your initial question, how do we improve leptin? So there's some very easy things. Um, as we always talk about in this way of eating, we need to focus on the diet, reduce sugar, um, get enough fat and protein. And then obviously, as you said, regulate sleep. So make sure you get enough sleep, spend some time in nature, get some sun, don't snack, make sure you're detoxing properly. So your liver, kidneys, your lymphs, they're all uh, detoxing properly. So if you go to the sauna, make sure you're sweating enough. So 
So even to go back further, let's say somebody is struggling with leptin, like a lot of these things that are sounding like solutions, which I know everybody's now like eating breakfast, which is, uh, listen, you want to eat breakfast, eat breakfast. There's nothing wrong with, you know, but, um, eating a whole bunch of times a day is if, and if weight loss is your goal and if you are insulin resistant or if you have high blood sugar, you are not going to be able to lower that likely. You're likely not going to be able to lower that without eating less than three times a day and with, and by having, so if you want to do, you know, breakfast and lunch, great. But if you're doing breakfast and lunch and dinner and you're trying to reverse diabetes and you're trying to lose a lot of weight, you're really going to struggle um, with having those three meals a day and, and trying to really lower your blood sugar. Yeah, there was a, unless you're eating only fat, which is, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. I talked about leptin in a previous newsletter. And in that part of the leptin discussion, I brought up an article that talked about how they wanted to see if meal timing affected weight loss, because that's one of the arguments for leptin is you should probably start eating in the morning to sort slowly start reducing the leptin imbalances. In the study, and I'll cite the study in the um, show notes, but it showed that there was two control groups. And one group, they ate most of their calories, I think breakfast and lunch, and then the other group ate like lunch, and then the dinner was heavy, the calories were the same, the fat macros, all of that was the same. And it was very controlled, because they did it in house, they found zero difference in weight loss, it just goes to show so my argument with all of that just eat when you want when you feel best when you feel like if you eat breakfast, and that triggers and I hear this from so many of my clients is as soon as I eat breakfast, it like some, does something to my hunger and then I have to graze the rest of the day. And yeah. so when I have a larger eating window, I seem to gain weight. So then the argument obviously is, well, then don't eat breakfast. Yeah. That's how I am though. Like if I eat breakfast in the morning, I am hungry the rest of the day, yeah. but I can very easily skip breakfast and go till lunch or even go till dinner, depending on my schedule. Now, the people who advocate for breakfast will say that's because I'm like forcing my body into starving and I'm like tanking my hormones and I'm stressing my body out, but I'm just telling you based on how I feel. And, and if I'm eating breakfast, I am overeating and I will gain weight over time. Right. Personally. And same with me. I mean, today we're recording something for a program we're releasing. And then I had this call and I had a couple other things and I literally ate 20 minutes before I'm recording with you and it's five o'clock right now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is very late for me. But my menstruation is very normal. My sleep is very normal and all that other stuff. So for some people, breakfast is just beneficial. Like my parents, they wake up at five or six and they eat a hearty meal that early in the morning. And I think it's crazy. But for them, it works. But the flip side is they stop eating at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And that works for them. Like for me, um, I know it's not the greatest, but I eat my heaviest meal is at dinner and it's just, it just works for my family. So I ultimately think, go ahead. I, I think it's many years ago, right? Like when I was just like still learning and asking, learning about fasting and everything, I asked a fasting expert online. Like I messaged them and, and, or commented on somebody's post. And this person is like a major fasting expert. And I was like, what's the best fasting window for weight loss? 
And they replied back to me and they were like, the one that you could stick to. And I was like, so mad. And I remember like being so irritated and telling Chris, like, how does that help me? This is such a stupid answer. Like, and guess what? Now it's taken me how many years to realize that that was the exact right answer. And if somebody asks me how much fasting should I do for weight loss? And I'd be like, how much can, do you want to do? Like, how much are you comfortable doing? Or how much is right for you? How much can you stick to? It truly, as much as I really hated that answer, when I'm looking for a specific, I want somebody to give me an answer of this is what you need to do to lose weight, X, Y, Z. Fast these windows, eat at this time, you will lose weight. That's it. That's what I wanted. That's not how it works. And I think that's where, you know, not to simplify it, there's a lot of factors, but like somebody saying you are leptin resistant and that's why you're not losing weight. That is like an answered prayer for people to have a very specific answer because they're looking for a reason and an answer. And so, you know, inevitably it has to come down to like, what can you stick to first and foremost? But before you start, even you mentioned like before you go down this leptin rabbit hole to get your blood work tested, I say back up even before that, before you start going down any rabbit hole, ask yourself, have I been consistent? Right. I know somebody who is very frustrated because they're not losing weight and they have tried all the trends. They've tried protein sparing modified fast. They have tried the high fat. They have tried alternate day fasting. They have tried, gotten all the testing. They've literally tried anything and everything. And after months of just saying, like, this isn't working, this isn't working, this isn't working. Well, guess what? I found out that they're binge drinking on the weekends. Like, I, I, at this point, it's not any of those protocols that's the problem as to why you're not losing weight. It's the fact that you're drinking heavily on the weekends, right? And so when you don't have to do any of those crazy protocols for this specific person, right? Uh, I think first and foremost, you have to say, am I being consistent and truly be honest with yourself about how clean or sloppy you're being? And that's the first place to start. And then it's like, it's moving down from there and finding out other things because you and I both know sometimes there is one specific reason that you are absolutely sick and nothing is working. And that could be SIRS. Like something like SIRS is a, an answer as to why somebody is sick and not healing. Yeah. And, and so there could be one specific answer for you, but I think that for the majority of people, it's just finding a way to be consistent. Like anybody like me, it's about finding a way to be consistent. Yeah, if I if I had a client starting with me and they were carnivore for however many months and they said it doesn't work and they really want to lose weight, I would first have them, I guess I would have them track their macros just to understand, okay, so you've been eating carnivore for a while and you're saying it's not working. Let's fine tune like how are you eating and figure out how many times they're eating in a day. And then also just understand where is their blood glucose versus their insulin. And I think the insulin lever is much bigger than this leptin lever and much bigger than the ghrelin lever. As you heal your insulin and your the blood sugar regulation, and then you work on reducing stress in your life, and then you focus on sleep, and then eating cleaner will then allow you to sleep better. I think all of these things will then help you to start balancing blood sugar, and then your insulin gets lowered, and then you will feel more satiety because you're not eating carbs that make you feel full on empty calories. Right. And eventually, then we can use tools of fasting and fasting, I think, in some ways can help uh, leptin. And I think in some ways, it can help ghrelin. 
But all of those can, maybe they're more ancillary is my whole point. I don't know how many people truly need to do this leptin protocol unless everything else is broken. And I haven't really seen many people that it's ultimately that the leptin is just broken. Is it not? That's not the one singular reason. Like maybe leptin's not great because of the fact that your sleep is not great. You're inconsistent or there's several other things. Would that be like your diet's not great? And those things are all causing a leptin issue. So fixing those things is awesome. Like focus to me, it's like focusing on those things. It's not like um, something like SIRS where if you're doing everything right, you still won't get better because you're leptin resistant. Is that seem accurate? Yes. If leptin is truly a lever, I really think it could be related more to chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So think about how leptin, it's signaled or activated through your fat cells. And the part of the brain that it's hitting is the hypothalamus. It is the hypothalamus that gets messed up during the chronic inflammatory response syndrome. It is that part. And that's why it affects leptin, eventually affecting melanocyte stimulating hormone, which then affects all the different symptoms that you get on in a SERS diagnosis. So if your leptin is truly being affected, what if the core root causes SIRS? And so again, if it's just a weight loss thing, then leptin should never be an issue, in my opinion. Well, I'm sure there's some, so I I won't say never. Kevin always says I talk in absolute, so I got to change that. But (laughs) I think for most people, leptin is not the root cause. And you're so sorry. Let me say this. So let me word it in a way that I would understand. So what you're saying is for most people, leptin resistance is not the reason why they are not losing weight. Yes. Yes. I think it's either insulin resistance. And that's where if you've done carnivore for a while and you're still not losing weight, then I would check your blood glucose. I would check your insulin markers, see where they are. Um, Like Dr. Barry says, check your C-peptide see if those things have normalized. If they have not, then you have to switch up your macros in your carnivore diet, or maybe you have to switch up your meal times. First, try to improve that and then see if the weight loss doesn't occur. If those improve and then let's say your leptin is a little wonky, I would try to figure out why is your leptin more wonky. And again, if we know that leptin resistance happens with imbalanced sleep, imbalanced stress, and the wrong foods, if we correct all of those things, then naturally leptin should improve. And if it doesn't, then I think that there can be something that the root cause is the hypothalamus is something's imbalanced there. And so even if the leptin is sending a signal, it's not properly synthesizing the communication. And what would that mean? Like, how would you know that that's happening or that, that it's not synthesizing things properly? I guess um, for me, it would be multi-symptom. So if people have more than just excess weight on their body or they're obese, more than that, they also have like chronic joint pain, um, fatigue. But those all sound like SIRS. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. But it could be something else. So like dysautonomia, um, any of the limbic system issues, and we'll do a podcast on that someday. But um, any of the imbalances with fight or flight, where let's say you get up really quickly and you get super dizzy, um, your water balance is incorrect. Like all of those are related to the limbic system, which houses the hypothalamus as well. So it could even be something related to that illness, right? It's not necessarily just SIRS. But then the question always becomes like, why do you have that? Why do you have dysautonomia? Why do you have limbic system issues? Why do you have POTS or what's um, a lot of the... 
it's postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. But a lot of people in carnivores struggle with this. So it's where you lie down and you get up and you feel a faster heart rate or you get dizzy, you feel fatigue. Sometimes people pass out from it. When your body cannot balance like the salt and water, uh, these people oftentimes need a lot more salt than the average person. So typically, they're recommended to consume double the salt. Um, It's just where you're the autonomic nervous system is a little imbalanced. And again, that's all affected by the brain. Right. If leptin, the hormone is signaling to that limbic system area, and your limbic system is messed up or imbalanced. How do we know it's not the limbic system issue? And not a leptin issue. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So I think really, like what I'm taking away from all of this the most is that, I mean, now I know what leptin resistance is, right? Like, but it also sounds like that it, I mean, it's a real thing, but it, it's yes. likely a symptom and not a root cause. Like if yeah. you have leptin resistance, it likely is a symptom of something else that's going on. It could be a symptom of obesity or could be a symptom of not enough sleep and too much stress it could be a symptom of SIRS. Like it could be a symptom of something else. And so ideally, like we say with everything, you want to address the root cause issue. Maybe your root cause is just that you're not consistent or you need to kind of like make some other adjustments in your life doing those things that people are, I mean, again, I'm trying to think of what else is of these protocols that would be around leptin resistance, like eating breakfast or is light. I think light is one of them, right? We, in our biohacking episode, we talked about like those things could make a difference if you think they're going to make a difference, right? Like when we're done recording this, I'm going to go sit in the sauna, not because it's going to help my leptin resistance or it's because it's going to help whatever, but just because I like to sit there and sweat. Like that's, you know, kind of how it is. So, well, it helps you detox, which is a good thing for your whole body. So it's a good thing, right? I really think that a lot of the weight struggles comes down to our blood sugar imbalances, cortisol, our stress levels can absolutely affect our blood sugar. If you sleep poorly at night, you could check your blood sugar in the morning, and it will be higher than any other day you ate the same thing the day before. Having a lot of stress in your life can absolutely affect your blood sugar. If you were to wear a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor, and you were to just check around the times you have a episode of getting really angry and losing your temper, your blood sugar will go up. And so if you balance these things, and then you tangibly see that your C peptide and your insulin markers are lower, generally speaking, most people will lose weight with those two things getting balanced. So the blood glucose and your slash A1C, and then your insulin slash C peptide, when those things get balanced, people tend to be um, tend to lose the weight that they have. And that's where Dr. Sives, if you think about his argument, he says, when people are on carnivore long term, meaning that they're consistent, um, when they're carnivore long term, their insulin gets too low, in his opinion, and then C peptide drops too low, and that they are starting to see adverse effects with their blood work. But one thing he says is all those people are ultra thin, right? right? Like that was his thing. And so if your insulin and your blood glucose are balanced, I don't think you're, you'll have an excess amount of weight on you. And then if you do, I don't necessarily think leptin is the root cause, but it might just be a symptom of some bigger thing, whether it's limbic system issues like POTS, the post orthostatic thing, or or if it's SIRS, um, the chronic inflammatory response syndrome, or something else in your brain, right? Maybe the fat cells aren't signaling it properly. Maybe there's a neurotransmitter thing. I think leptin resistance is a 
symptom, not a root cause. And usually there's a root cause to why the leptin, but I just think that supplement, I would like to know that supplement, like what ultimately is it doing? Is it just only making you leptin sensitive? Or is it making the hypothalamus work more? Is it stimulating more of that melanocyte stimulating hormone? I mean, I don't know. You know, it just sounds nice to say, hey, the reason why you're not losing weight is there, there's a hormone that it's broken inside. Right. You. And I want, so if you just take, I want an answer, people want an answer to know why they're not able to lose weight. And it, I think for me, it was that I'm not, if I'm not being consistent enough, or if I'm being too right. sloppy, or if I'm eating too often and those types of things, there are other reasons why people are doing everything right. And they still can't lose weight. And there's, there's some other root cause that needs to be addressed there. But I mean, I, I think we're all looking for the for the specific reason and for an answer. And sometimes, sometimes, for me, the answer is just you need to like get your ish together. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's a select few that leptin resistance is maybe a root cause, maybe. But I think for the general public, it is not. And so, if you want to. Some of the, if you want to eat breakfast and you feel like that's good, works for your schedule, that helps you be consistent. It helps you not snack all day. Like, I think eat breakfast if that's something that can be helpful for you. But if you're trying to force yourself to eat breakfast because you think you're leptin resistant and then it throws off the rest of your day, you end up overeating. It just doesn't work. It's too, and then you end up going off the wagon because, you know, you're just hungry or it's kind of messing with your schedule. it doesn't allow you to be consistent, then I think more than anything, you should focus on how can I be consistent? And then what's, if you're still having issues, what's my root cause issue or what small tweaks do I need to make to this lifestyle in order to um, be able to stick to it? And, and maybe it's slightly, you know, adding a tiny bit more fat or, eating a second. I don't like, honestly, I really hate eating two meals a day. I don't have time for it. I love eating one meal a day, but I under eat when I eat one meal a day for too long. And so after one or two days of eating one meal, I go, Laura, you have to eat again. And I know that I'm, because I know I'm under eating. So like, I kind of have to sometimes do something I don't want to do. I'm not hungry. I just got to eat a second meal sometimes just simply because I know that I will end up under eating if I'm doing it for too long. So I don't know. I think small, but it's small adjustments like that. It's not just like doing, you know, huge changes. If, if you feel like you're having to make these radical changes that don't fit your lifestyle, then you need to find out what's the root cause issue. Ultimately, we do have to find what will allow us to be consistent because that is what will help you stay successful. And, and this is for all facets of your life. It's not just diet. It's about work. It's about tending to your children or your job. It's everything you do. If you do it consistently, you'll get better at it. And the better you get at it, you you can improve and you can just show all these benefits to that. The hardest thing to do is be consistent. And it's just, it takes that discipline. It takes that consistency. And for most people, that is how people can lose weight. And I know it's hard, but you know, when we eat that extra I don't know, keto treat, or we eat more dairy than we should. And then we have extra stress or we're sleeping poorly and, or we drink alcohol and we accumulate these things and they stack on themselves. Once you really start digging into like journaling, you'll see why maybe you're not losing weight. Yeah. And I think 
you know, like we said, we, we all want an answer to something and I didn't, you know, like, it's just, it's been interesting for me to see this whole leptin resistance thing kind of come out of nowhere. And I even have people like in my real life coming up and saying like, oh, I'm leptin resistance. I've started eating breakfast now. And I'm like, where does this coming from? Like, it's just so interesting that I think we all want answers and people want to give people the answers. And I think that's a, they, they want to help people and they want to say like, here's the answer that you've been missing. And, and, you know, maybe for some people that, that, that is what it is, but I agree with you. I think most people just need to focus on like, how can they stay consistent? And you, let me tell you, you can get away with not having the perfect macros with not having the right fasting window, with having your, in, your leptin be slightly out of whack. You can get away with a lot of things if you're just consistent and a lot of those things will resolve over time. And obviously there's a certain percentage of people who can't just like carnivore harder and fix everything. And we talk, I feel like we talk about that a lot um, where you do have to get to the root cause issue. But I think that the masses just need to focus on being consistent. Yes. No, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for letting us dive deep into another topic. Um, You know, we're learning about it with you. So let us know if you have any feedback, feel free to send us an email um, or let us know your experiences with leptin uh, and we will, uh, we'll talk about it more, but we're learning about it just like you guys. Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>